Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to jump into the message today. I know I've been on a series of talks about endurance, but uh, not today. That subject didn't endure today. So I felt like God was uh, speaking to me about something else, and I'm just trying to follow his lead wherever he wants to go. That's where I want to go. So today we're going to talk about partnering with faith, and uh, I, feel, I really feel a teaching on this that I'm going to break it down. So I hope you have some note-taking ability. Uh, the notes are on the Uversion Bible app if you'd like to follow along there. Uh, they aren't in your worship guide, but if you've got a piece of paper... Uh, you can we're gonna give you a lot of information you need to write down, but we love the Bible. Let's jump into it, okay? Here at the Rhodes Church, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, North City, open your Bible and open it to Philemon chapter 1. Yeah. I, there's only one chapter there, but I thought if I don't give that, and I said Philemon this time, I normally call it Philemon. I don't know what the, the average pronunciation is. Most people call it Philemon, Philemon. I said the only reason I call it Philemon is because the rap song that I learned as a teenager called it Philemon, so that's why I call it Philemon. When you learn the books of the Bible through a rap song, then you go with what he says. That's how I know him to this day. I still run through him according to that rap song. You want to know it? Well, then you have to look it up. Let's go on to Philemon. <laughs> we don't have time for none of that. I'm on a short leash. Philemon. There's only one chapter, so a small book there in the New Testament, right before Hebrews, turn left at Hebrews and you run into him. I'm going to start reading in verse 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. So this is a letter from Paul, Timothy's with him, writing to a brother called Philemon, and uh, he's writing on behalf of a mutual friend, Onesimus, who used to be a slave, and Philemon's not too happy with Onesimus, and and they got a little conflict, and Paul's writing him to encourage Philemon to receive Onesimus not as a slave anymore, but as a brother in Christ. That when God changes the identity of someone, we need to be willing to change their identity in our eyes as well. Oh, should we teach that? That's not on faith, but that's a good one. So sometimes, sometimes God will change the identity because if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things are, behold, all things become brand new to God. So if they come brand new to God, then they need to become brand new to us. He said, stop looking at Onesimus like a slave and look at him like a brother. To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Apthia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Promotion for small groups. Get involved and lead a Rhodes group. You could get a Bible letter written to you. Verse 3, <laughs> grace to you. <laughs> I can't promise you. I'm just saying it happened for Philemon. Grace to you and, pre and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Let's pray. 
Father, I just thank you for your word. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll bring it alive, that revelation will abound. Jesus, you are the word, and I pray that we will see you in the word. I pray for our eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart to be enlightened right now, Jesus. Pray, Lord, that we'll see things we've never seen before, understand things we've never understood before because of the clarity and voice of the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory ahead of time. It's in your precious name. Everybody say amen. amen. Partnering with faith. I want to look at verse 6. I'm really just going to teach one verse. I'm hopeful just to get through even one verse. I didn't do very good in the first service, but I'm going to cut to the chase and get right to it. Verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, what does Paul mean by the sharing of your faith? If we just read this in the English language, then we might think and translate that Paul is saying that by, he pray that you're, because notice what it says, he's praying in verse four, he said, I thank God make a mention of you always in my prayers. And then he talks about hearing about your love and faith, you know, which you have towards, verse six starts with that. So really we connect verse four and six. He says, always in my prayers, what's my prayer? My prayer is that the sharing of your faith may become effective. So what does he mean that the sharing of your faith may become effective? Why is Paul praying for this for Philemon? We might say in the English language that he was praying that Philemon would be better at witnessing. Because that's what we would think sharing your faith means. That sharing your faith means telling other people about Jesus. And so uh, he's writing, telling Philemon, I said, hey, I just pray that you get better at telling people about Jesus, better at sharing your faith. But the problem is, as we study the original language that the Bible was written in, is the Greek language. And in the Greek language, that word sharing is not a verb, it's a noun. So if it's not a verb, then it's not talking about sharing like telling your story. So the word sharing there is a Greek word koinonia. And I don't always give you what the Greek words are because one, it really doesn't matter. Number two, I don't want to botch up the pronunciation. Let's just go with those two. So let's do koinonia. What does koinonia mean? Koinonia is translated four different ways in the Bible, in the New King James Version. And maybe differently in your version of your Bible. That's just the one that I read out. Koinonia is normally translated as the word fellowship. So you could say that the fellowship of your faith may become effective. It's also translated the word communion four times, 12 times for fellowship, four times for communion. So you could say that the communion of your faith may become effective. It's also translated contribution one time, that the contribution of your faith may become effective. Then three times it's translated as it is here, share, or sharing. So let's look at the word koinonia. I've given you a couple of them. It means communion or fellowship. It also means unity, close mutual relations or involvement. It means partnership or participation. Partnership or participation. It's the idea of sharing in the activities or privileges of an association or a group. So we're talking about koinonia, we're talking about 
being associated or partnering with a certain group. And because of that partnership with that association or group, it comes with access to certain uh, benefits or privileges. So because of our connection with a group, it makes certain privileges available that were not available without that connection. Are you following me? Again, I'm, I know I'm just laying your groundwork. This is not a hype, pump up the crowd. I want to teach because sometimes if we live by hype, we will never have an understanding because I am convinced that understanding and revelation will endure the test of time. Hype will give up as soon as we find difficulty. But once I have revelation on it, then I can work through my feelings. I can work through my emotions and I can trust Jesus, you can show me what to do. So that's what we're looking at here. So it's, uh, it's the idea of a membership. Like, let me give you some examples. Like membership to a country club. Membership to Sam's or Costco or Huck's or Amazon Prime. Because you joined and you paid to be part of a membership of a group or an association, you have access to certain benefits that someone that's not a part of that association doesn't have. Hux and Sam's and Costco all promote this member price for gas, non-member price for gas. <laughs> what are they trying to say? If you will join our group, you will have access to cheaper gas. Come join our group. Right? So this is what koinonia is. Koinonia means a communion, a partnership, a fellowship, a connection with a group that comes with benefits or privileges, all right? So now, what kind of communion or partnership or participation are we talking about? What is the koinonia with? Notice what the Bible says. That the sharing of your what? Of your faith. This is why it uses the word share here. Because it's talking about the share of faith is your faith, your individual share, your individual portion. What am I talking about? Romans 12 verse 3 says that God has dealt to each one, how many is each one? That's everybody. That includes you. Each one a measure of faith. So what is the Bible teaching us? Every single person on the planet has faith. Somebody said, I just don't have any faith. That's not true. Because God has dealt like Uno to each one of us a measure of faith. So now that each one of us has this measure of faith, now we've got to figure out what to do with it. Because faith is the only one mentioned in the Bible as both a fruit of the Spirit and a gift of the Spirit. Stay with me. This is really good. So faith is of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit and a gift of the Spirit. When it says of the Spirit, that means where it derives from, where it comes from. So who gives us faith? God does. The Spirit does. So the Spirit, or sorry, faith itself is already in koinonia, partnership, relationship, fellowship with the Spirit, and therefore faith is already in koinonia, partnership, fellowship with God. Faith itself is pure. It already connects with God. 
So when we're talking about partnership with faith, when it talks about sharing of your faith, koinonia that Paul's talking about, it's not talking about our partnership with God and trying to build our faith up. He's talking about our partnership with our faith that is already partnering with God. There is a part of our life, the gift, the fruit of faith. Every single one of us has faith, so there's a part of us that's already, if we're born again, you accept Jesus and you've been made a new creation in Christ, then now I have the fruit of faith. So I have faith that's already connected to God. So what Paul's writing to Philemon, he says, I want you, I'm praying that you will begin to koinonia with your faith. Your faith is already in koinonia with God, so I'm encouraging you to koinonia with your faith. Just laying it out. So here's the question. This question, I think, will open up some eyes. So the question, is it that our faith needs to grow? Or is it that we need to increase our koinonia, our partnership, our fellowship, our communion with our faith and eliminate our koinonia with everything else? How many times you've thought about this, you've talked about this, heard about this, I need to get my faith to increase? What if the problem is not that my faith is not big enough? My problem is that I'm partnering with too many other things rather than my faith. What if Paul's writing to Philemon and he's saying, listen, I'm praying that the koinonia with your faith will become effective. Why is my koinonia with my faith not effective? Because my koinonia with everything else is effective. What does effective mean? Active or operative. In other words, I'm engaging my koinonia, my, my agreement, my fellowship, my communion with something other than what God says. Is it working for you yet? Is it that our, our faith is too small or is it that we're partnering with other things? Is it, is it that my faith really needs to grow or is it that my koinonia needs to change? My communion, my fellowship. Because if I'm communing and fellowship with my unbelief, with my fears, with my discouragement, with my disappointment, if I'm hanging out with them in the doubt lounge and we're just hanging out, talking to each other, encouraging one another about who's got it worse and, and, and talking to this person, I'm koinonia with what they say and 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 I'm just hanging around with what everybody else says. I got this situation. I'm like, what do you think about it? 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 I'm not asking what God thinks about it. I'm asking my Facebook friends. I'm asking my Snapchat friends. I'm asking everybody. And I'm hanging around getting advice from people that are emotionally hurt themselves. They're going through discouragement themselves. They're going through damage repair themselves and I'm asking them to speak into my life. I'm communing. I'm koinoniaing with them. And when I koinonia with an association, I get the privileges attached to that association. So whatever that group is dealing with, whatever they're producing in their own life, now that begins to produce out of me. Why am I negative all of a sudden? Why am I angry all of a sudden? Why am I backbiting all of a sudden? Why am I on edge all of a sudden? Who are you koinoniaing with? Why is that coming out of me? Who are you hanging around? Who's influencing you? 
who's speaking into your life. This is what he's saying to Philemon. He said, listen, I'm praying that this koinonia will become ineffective and that your koinonia with your faith will become effective. Turn to Matthew chapter 17 because we've thought, we've thought, well, my faith is just not big enough. My faith is too small. I can't do that. I don't have that kind of faith. Mm. Let's look at the Bible, Matthew 17. Context for this story, this is where Jesus Excuse me. This is where Jesus and the disciples, they brought a boy to be healed. And they brought him to the disciples and the boy had epileptic seizures and suffered severely, fell into the fire and often into the water. And they brought him, the, the dad says, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. So in verse 17, Jesus answers and says to them, oh, faithless and perverse Generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him. The demon came out of the boy. And the child was cured from that very hour. Notice what happened. Disciples could not cure him. Jesus cured him. Verse 19, this is important, this is where we jump in. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Is that a good question? I think it's a great question. I think it's a wonderful, honest question to ask. Dad brings boy, demon, we tried to cast it out, we couldn't. Jesus comes along, Bring the boy to me. He rebukes the demon. Demon goes out. Boy's cured. Disciples scratching their head. They go privately with Jesus and they say, uh, um, uh, Jesus, we got to ask you something. Why could we not do it? Before we get into the answer of the question, my biggest issue is with the church today is that we're no longer asking that question. I'm going to let that ripple a little bit. We've adopted such theologies that we don't even ask that question anymore. We don't even try those things. We adopt things that make us feel better about ourselves. That's why we go to a Calvinistic type mentality. This is why people leave and go to places where they can just have someone tell them, you know what, don't worry about that. That's not you. It's what, if God wants that to happen, it'll happen. If he doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. Don't worry about that. We stopped asking the questions that the disciples openly asked Jesus. Why could I not do that? That's a great question that we need to be asking. We need to stir that question back up. Instead of protecting ourselves and covering ourselves and making us feel better about ourselves, let's ask the honest question, Jesus, if you expect these signs to follow them that believe that in my name they will cast out demons, and I tried to cast out demons and it didn't work, why aren't we asking the question, why not? Because religion has taught us there's some things you'll never know, so we don't ask any questions. I 100% agree there are certain things that we will never know on this side of heaven. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to ask. I'm going to ask. I'm going to be one of those. You better bet your bottom dollar. I'm going to be an asker. I'm going to ask. He may tell me, but it's not going to be because I didn't ask. It can't be because you don't ask. So if you, something happens you don't understand, ask. 
Ask him. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be ashamed to ask. He may just outright tell you. See, look what he tells them in verse 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say, because you're not me. Remember the question, why could we not cast it out? Jesus didn't. That's what religion would teach you. They couldn't do it because you're not Jesus. Jesus didn't say that. Notice Jesus didn't even say, because it's not my will. Let's let the Bible determine the answers instead of us coming up with our own theological explanation based on our experiences. What we do is we water down the Bible to match our experiences instead of challenging our experiences to come up to the level of the Bible. So, so he, he didn't say those things. He didn't have some religious rhetoric that made them feel good and stick a pacifier in their mouth. Whew, that came off a little strong. I'm telling you, I'm tired. Because of your unbelief, because of your unbelief. Remember what he said, the sharing of your faith, because of your unbelief. Stay with me. I say to you, if, everybody say if. If, that's a conditional statement. Anytime Jesus says the word if, underline it, circle it, stare at it, look at it, and go what's coming next is very important. If you have faith as a mustard seed. When he says, if you have a faith as a mustard seed, then that gives us the, the understanding that it's possible to not have faith of a mustard seed. So what he was saying to the disciples, the answer is because of your unbelief, because you did not have faith as a mustard seed. So he gives them two issues to deal with. Number one, deal with your unbelief. Number two, make sure your faith is as a mustard seed. We'll talk about what that means. Because if your faith is as a mustard seed, you will say, everybody say say. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing, nothing, no thing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There's a promotional for our prayer and fasting coming up the January 1st. If you want nothing to be impossible for you, join us for our prayer and fasting time. But look what it says. If you have faith as a mustard seed. So here's the question. He says, because of your unbelief, the sharing of your faith, he was saying that your issue is not that you have little faith. Because if you know what a mustard seed is, I've got some in my office and I forgot to bring some up. A mustard seed is so tiny, if I was holding it in my fingers, you would not be able to see it even on the second row. It is so small. So the issue is not the magnitude and the, the bigness, if you will, of your faith. It's the type of faith and what we do with it. Because you and I have faith. Each one has been given the measure of faith. So now if we've been given the measure of faith, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, what does a seed do first? When it's when you put seed into the ground, seed represents the word of God. And the seed goes into the ground. The Bible tells us that our heart represents the ground. So when a seed goes into the ground, you have to plant it in the ground first. A seed on the shelf does not grow a harvest. Nor does the word on your shelf grow a harvest. We're dropping bombs here. I hope you're ready. We're dropping. See, this, this book in my possession does nothing for me. This book on my nightstand does not do anything for me. 
This book in my house does not do nothing for me. The fact that I carry it to church does nothing for me. It's only when I put it in my heart, when I begin to digest it, now the word of God begins to do something. So as a mustard seed, so once the seed is planted, the word is planted in your heart, which direction does a seed grow first when it's planted, up or down? Down. Why down? What's growing down? Roots. So he's telling us now that if you had faith like a mustard seed, if you would plant the word of God in your heart and allow it to get rooted in you first, what's going to happen? Once it's rooted in you, you have two things. You have more than that, but I'm going to give you two right now. The first thing you have is stability. It holds you in windy seasons. The word planted in my heart helps me when the storms come because I've got stability from my root system. Number two, it provides nourishment for me. It strengthens me. I'm rooted in what God said and what Paul is writing to Philemon. I gotta hurry with it. What Paul's writing to Philemon is the problem is not your lack of faith. You have faith. The problem is you're in kononia with your unbelief. You've allowed your fears, your disappointments, your discouragements, your whatever to cause root in yourselves. And now your nourishment is coming from this group, this association, instead of that group. But if you will uproot yourself from doubt, unbelief, and discouragement and everything the devil says and begin to get yourself planted again in faith in what God says, koinonia will become effective. So the problem is not the size of my faith. The problem with the disciples wasn't the size of their faith. The problem was they were in koinonia with their unbelief. That's what Jesus said. What's the problem? Why couldn't we cast it out, Jesus? Because of your unbelief. Because of your association. Because it's not that we're not going to have unbelief. I used to think this. I'm like, I got to get to the place that I'm never going to have any unbelief. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We're too many times waiting to believe God when we become 100% convinced. No doubts. I'm 100% sure. I have no doubts whatsoever. You know we say that? I have no doubt whatsoever. I hardly believe that's true. Unless there's the gift of faith. Once the gift of faith of the Holy Spirit comes, that comes in fullness. When you have a gift of faith, there's no doubt. But everything else is about koinonia. I'm going to have unbelieving thoughts about a situation I'm dealing with. I'm going to have uncertainty. I'm going to have all kinds of things. And then I'm going to have what God says. And in the middle of that situation, I've got to decide which one I'm going to fellowship with. Which one I'm going to commune with. Which one I'm going to hang out with and hug him and pet him and call him George. <laughs> got to be a certain age to get that joke. But I'm just saying... The problem is what I koinonia with, what I put rooted in my heart is what's going to come out of my mouth. Oh, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. Mm. Have you ever said something you knew wasn't right? You ever said something you knew wasn't the will of God, wasn't what God says, but it came out anyway? Nobody's condemning you because we all do it. That should be a revealer of what you really have going on in your heart. And we need to address the heart 
and not just stop this, change the heart. If we change the heart, we'll change what comes out of our mouth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says it this way, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore and therefore, and therefore, I believe, and therefore, I speak. So what I truly am in koinonia with is what's going to come out of my mouth. I can give, uh, uh, I've got to make sure I'm connecting with the right group, the right association, the right membership, so that the benefits are available to me. And this is what Paul was saying to Philemon. He said, if you'll do this, nothing will be impossible for you. Let me give you another example, Second Corinthians chapter 6. The reason they couldn't cast out the demons in Matthew chapter 17 was because they were in koinonia with their unbelief instead of with their faith. Now, there's two ways we can go about this. Two ways we can go about this. We can either, this is what we usually do as victim mentality. Help me, Jesus, with this one. Because I'm with you. I'm not like preaching at you like down. I'm like... We have embraced too much a spiritual victim mentality that we don't even want to hear truth anymore. We just want to hear nothing's my fault. We just want to hear, tell me I'm fine. It's totally whatever God, and we just play the victim. And I believe we've got to mature out of that. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read this out of the amplified version so it's going to be a little louder than normal. It says... (laughs) Time release joke, sorry. Time release, some of you (laughs) kind of rolled back a little bit. Verse 14 says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them. Now, usually this is the parental verse, talking to their kids about who they're supposed to be dating and not dating. But let's don't limit it to that. Can you apply it to that? Sure. Sure, but I want to change one part of this one word and see what it does without being sacrilegious or taking scripture out of context. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelief. That can be an unbeliever or unbelief itself. It doesn't take it out of context to stay it that way. Do not make mismated alliances with them. Or come under a different yoke with them. Inconsistent with your... If there's an idea, a thought, a word, a way of talking, a way of thinking that is inconsistent with my faith that came from God, that is of God, then I have to unyoke myself from that and yoke myself to what God is saying. I have to stay in koinonia with it. He says, why? For what partnership have right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? Or how can light have fellowship, koinonia, with darkness? Let me, I'm running out of time. Go back to Philemon. I need another 45 minutes to finish this teaching, but I don't have it. So here's what we'll do. I gave you lots of notes that you can study on your own. They're on the Version Bible app, I should say. Look at verse 6 in Philemon. I'm just going to try and give you the summation of it. That the sharing of your faith, the koinonia, 
This is you and I, each one of us. This is not a generalized statement. Come on, this is just, imagine God writing this letter to you. <coughs> Excuse me. That the koinonia, let's just imagine, if you will again, faith, uh, doesn't matter. Faith's over here, unbelief, darkness, lies of the devil over here. That the koinonia of your faith, your partnership with your faith, your, your communion with your faith may become effective or active or operative is what that effective means. By. So how is the koinonia, the communion with my faith, going to become active or operative? The Bible tells us how. By. That word by means this is how you're going to be able to do what I'm telling you to do. How are you going to be able to get in communion with your faith? One way, he says, by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The acknowledgement means this, two things. To recognize something and to fully accept it as true and valid. There's a difference in hearing about something and accepting it as true and valid. It's one thing for me to tell you about something and you to go out here and eat lunch and be like, oh, that was a good sermon. That was good. I really liked the way you got excited there in that one part. I mean, you can be entertained and never have revelation. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to own it. It's another thing to have options and it's another thing to choose one. I'll try this one. It's one thing to have options on which way I'm going to go on this situation. It's another thing to choose one. It's one thing to have different ways to respond to something, and there's and a different thing to choose which way you respond. And this is what he's saying. It, for, to acknowledge every good thing that's in me is to not just read in the Bible. It's great. That's the first step. I've got to read it in the Bible. And then once I read in the Bible, I've got to decide what am I going to do. Am I going to koinonia with it? Or am I going to stay koinonia with something else? I've got to decide which way I'm going to go. And the, by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So it's telling me that when Christ comes into my life, everything that he has is now in me. Now it's not a prayer of God. If, if it be your will, will you give it to me? It's an acknowledgement of what is already in me in Christ. Not in me in chat. Not about me, it's in me in Christ. So it's an acknowledgement. So now, everything that I fail to acknowledge, this is so important, everything that I fail to acknowledge, I fail to make active. Read it again. Read it again. I pray, Philemon, that the koinonia with your faith will become active by the acknowledgement of everything that's in you in Christ Jesus. So if I don't acknowledge everything that's in me in Christ Jesus, the koinonia of my faith will not become active. So I have to acknowledge what Jesus did on this cross, what he paid for me, what he provided for me. If I acknowledge 
that Christ's blood paid the price for freedom from my depression, from my discouragement, from the, my, my abuse that I can recover, I can overcome. If I recognize and acknowledge that Jesus paid the price for that, then I can koinonia with the promise of his word and I can reap the benefits of what he said. Or I can commune over here and I can koinonia with everybody else who says, no, that's right, you're going to have to suffer with that the rest of your life. I can coin O'Neill with somebody who wants to just have a pity party for me and tell me, I'm sorry, you're never going to get over that. You're never going to get over that. You're never going to get over that. Says who? Well, it says me. Why? Because you never got over it? Well, I tried that and that didn't work, so it doesn't work for everybody. I'm sorry. But Jesus said, I've got to decide in that moment you're like, I, I, I've tried I've tried over and over and over, but in this moment, I've got to say, Lord, I'm not going to partner with my experiences. I'm going to partner with what you say. Well, what if it doesn't work? Then I keep partnering with what he says and figure out why it didn't work for me. I keep asking the question. Isn't that frustrating? Oh, incredibly frustrating. Incredibly frustrating. But I refuse to accept an answer that's not in my Bible that'll make me feel better about me not getting the results that Jesus asked me to get. He said these signs will follow those who believe. Now go do it. Well, I'm not getting those results, so evidently you don't want me to do it. But you said go do it. Why did he say go do it if I'm not supposed to do it? If I, if I can't do it, why did he tell me to do it? Why did he tell me to lay hands on the sick and they would recover? And the last few people that I've laid hands on, they did not recover. Do I throw away the Bible? No. I begin to ask the question, Lord, what am I koinoneeing with that's hindering me from koinoneeing with my faith? I want to partner with my faith. I know you do too. So here's the part that we got to do. We've got to acknowledge everything that's in us in Christ. It's not in me. It's not, it's not about you. Stop making it about ourselves. Let's make it about koinonian with him. Let's just talk about fellowship with him and what he says. And I'm just going to believe God. The problem with most of our lives, myself included, is not the size of my faith. I've just got into a habit of koinonian with too much of the wrong stuff. When I was preparing this message so that you people would get convicted. God started showing me the things that I'm koinoniaing with. He said, why are, you, why are you fellowshipping with that? You wonder why you think that way? It's because of this feeling, this experience, this thought, whatever it may be. You've, you fellowship with that too much. You entertain that too much. Well, doesn't everybody think that way? He said everybody in that group does. Every, everybody that experiences those that lifestyle, yeah, they do. Do you want that? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't think I do. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm prepared this for you, right? It's a man in the mirror. But this is what God is saying. He said, listen, Chad, your problem is your communion level. Your koinonia is your problem. If you will stop koinoniing with your feelings, 
and you will commune and koinonia with what you believe. He said, you're going to experience major changes in your life. I said, well, how come, how come I struggle with this or how come this bothers me? He said, okay, okay. So just begin. this is what God wants to do with you. If we're open to it, if we're open to it, if we don't want to know, then just keep our heads stuck in the sand and just believe everything's because God wants it to happen. But if we truly want freedom, then we have to sit down with Holy Spirit and say, God, show me where I'm koinonian with the wrong things because out of my mouth are coming things that I know you don't want me to say. I know I'm speaking things that you don't want to come out of my mouth. So what is it? He said, well, look who you hang out with. How do they talk? Look what you watch. It's what you listen to. What are you communing with? What are you embracing? These are my people. This is my group. We're all feel for each other. None of us grow. None of us get any freedom, but we sure appreciate one another. We celebrate one another. We comfort one another. If one of us tries to break out, we drag them back in so we don't feel bad about ourselves. Oh, did I go too real there? Did you catch that? That's what happens. When you get over here in this group, you're hanging out with these people that just want to talk about their own problems and bring, bring everybody else down and talk about all the other people. And it's all their fault. It's not our fault. It's all their fault. It's all their fault. What they did to you. I can't believe they did that to you. I can't believe, I can't believe they. I can't believe they. I can't believe they. As long as we stay in Koinonia with this group, we will never walk in freedom. At some point, we have to unhook from that and say, Jesus. It's me. It's my fault. I am in koinonia with the wrong thoughts. I have thought it was okay to think that way. But Lord, I come out of that koinonia with depression. I come out of that self-pity. I disconnect from all of that and I get into the truth of what God says about my life. Would you stand to your feet? We're out of time. We're out of time. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Here's what I feel like the Lord wants to do. He's going to give all of us, he's going to give all of us an opportunity to partner with faith. So bow your heads with me, if you would, please. This is an honest time between you and God. Mount Carmel, Carlinville, Erode's family, just bow your heads. No one moving around for just a moment, please. Will you, will you have the, uh, the courage to be honest with Holy Spirit and ask him, what am I in koinonia with? You don't have to worry about why I can't pronounce that word. What am I in fellowship with? What am I in communion with? What, what am I hanging around? What am I attached to? What, what have I joined? What am I participating with? What am I partnering with that's not of God? Because my problem is not that I don't have faith. The problem is not that I don't have the answer available to me in Christ Jesus. I have everything that I have need of in Christ. Now, if you're not born again this morning, if you're not a believer, if you never accepted Jesus, never became a new creature in Christ Jesus, the first step is to give your life to Christ. We are dead in our trespasses and sins until Christ comes in us. That's step number one. Number two as we just begin to invite him to reveal to us the honest truth, the tough truth, maybe. I've been koinonying with self-pity. I've been koinonying with what someone else did to me or said to me, and I've wallowed in it. 
because it made me feel good. All the while, it made me feel miserable. I believe the Lord is asking and inviting you to unkoinonia with things that are not of him. It's time to unkoinonia from fear, unkoinonia from the lies of the devil, unkoinonia from depression, from discouragement. I'm not talking about permanent that you'll never have those thoughts. We've talked about that today. I'm just saying we're going to determine from now on, even if I have those thoughts, I'm not going to partner with them. I'm not going to partner with them of who I am, my identity. My identity is not built on what other people think of me. My identity is not built on what others say. My identity is found in Christ. So this altar is open there in Mount Carmel in Carlinville, North City right now. If God is speaking to your heart and there's some things you need to uncoinonia with, right now come and just respond to Jesus. Break those things off. Begin to break those things off. Say, Lord, I don't want to partner with that. I don't want to part with that self-pity anymore. I don't, it doesn't have to be massive, dark sin. Nobody's trying to judge why you're coming up here. It has nothing to do with that. I've already repented of stuff that I said, Jesus, I'm sorry. I was, I was koinonia with the wrong idea. And I thought I was okay, and it was wrong. It wasn't of God. It's not his voice. Come on, if that's you, come, come, come. Let's get free. Let's get free. Let's get honest and get free. Come on, Mount Carmel, step out. Get honest and get free. Say, Lord, I am not going to partner with those thoughts about my spouse anymore in Jesus' name. I'm not going to partner with them. I'm not going to partner with those thoughts about myself. I am who I am in Christ. I'm not going to partner with lies. I'm not going to partner with those thoughts about what I look like in the mirror, what food is doing to me, the abuse. I'm not going to partner with that anymore. I'm going to uncoinonia with that. I'm going to fellowship with what Jesus says about my body. I'm going to fellowship with what Jesus says about food. Come on, I believe God's wanting to break some chains. Some of you, some friends group need to uncoinonia with. Some people speaking into your life. I'm not talking about teenagers only. I'm talking about adults. You're going to uncoinonia with some people that are never moving forward. You need to get out and show them the way out. Show them how to get free. Show them how to break bondage. Show them what Jesus can do in their life. Sometimes if one will get out, it gives somebody else the courage, the courage to go. Are you going to be a leader? You're going to be a follower. What kind of what kind of moxie you got in your life? What kind of courage do you have? Jesus is looking for people of courage, humble people of courage that know who they are in Christ, that the only thing you can do is because of Christ in you. It is Jesus. It's not us. But when we yield to Jesus now, everything that he is is available and nothing will be impossible. Come on, uncoinonia right now from the lies of the enemy. The deception, the perversion. Still going to be tempted with lust. Still going to be tempted, but don't koinonia with it. Don't fellowship with it. Break that relationship off in Jesus' name. Break that relationship off with pornography right now in Jesus' name. 
I will not koinonia with you anymore. I'm not going to koinonia with bitterness and unforgiveness anymore. I don't care what they did. I don't care how justified I am. I will not koinonia with that anymore. I will not koinonia with disappointment in God because he let me down. He failed me, so therefore I'm going to hold it against him the rest of my life. I will not koinonia with that anymore. I'm going to koinonia, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. I got questions. I got lots of questions. I don't understand why. Lord, how come? Why that? Why this? I got questions for you, Lord. But I choose to koinonia with you. Come on, church. Can we get in a place where we're breaking unequal yokes. Our Bible says that the anointing of the Holy Spirit removes burdens and destroys yokes. And I'm praying right now for everyone who responded that yokes that are not of God are destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, every yoke destroyed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every yoke that's not of God Take this yoke of me, Jesus said. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Do what only you could do. I pray for the anointing to do it. Come on, just receive. Receive. Make a decision. Make a decision what I'm going to coin O'Neill with. What am I going to partner with? Paul was praying for Philemon. I pray that the koinonia of your faith, the partnership of your faith will become active and operative by acknowledging everything that Jesus gave you. He's so good. He's bigger than us. He's bigger than all of us. Ministry team, would you come and just begin to Agree with these there in Mount Carmel, here in North City, in Carlinville. Let's just begin to. I feel that. I feel burdens removing. I feel yokes being destroyed. Uh uh. No, I'm not going to be bitter anymore. I'm not going to be bitter. Why, why, am, I, why am I bitter all the time? It's because I'm hanging around a bunch of bitter people. Because you keep calling or texting other bitter people so that you can justify your bitter feelings. And Jesus says, no more. Get a new resource. Get a new grip. Get a new group, rather. Text or call people that's going to give you the tough answer that's going to say, I get it. I feel you. But this is what the Word of God tells us to do. Come on, break free from that in Jesus' name. Be a leader. Be a leader. Jesus, I thank you for destroying yokes. I thank you for raising up leaders that are going to show other people the way out in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for an acknowledgement. Lord, oh, Jesus. Come on, I'm praying for revelation of what is in you in Christ Jesus right now. That's how it becomes active and operative. Reveal to them, Jesus. Reveal to them what's available in Christ Jesus. What is on the inside of you? Faith is a mustard seed. Faith, to the, faith is a mustard seed. Let it grow down in your heart and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. 
You don't understand how hard it is. I know, I know, I've got my own hard things I'm dealing with. I've got my own hard things I'm trying to walk out. But with Jesus, nothing will be impossible. Father, keep working, keep working. We break yokes of unbelief. And we koinonia with our faith. Purity of our faith, trusting God substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things we don't even see yet. Come, Lord Jesus. We choose to koinonia with what you say about our situation. We choose to believe what you say. The devil says it'll never happen for you. I'm koinonia with what Jesus says. When the devil says it'll never get any better, I'm koinonia with what Jesus says. When the devil says they'll always be that way, I coin on you with what Jesus says. When the devil says they'll never come back to the Lord, they'll never serve Jesus, I coin on you with what Jesus says. That me and my whole household shall be saved. Boy, I feel the Holy Spirit. Come on, Mount Carmel. Pastors Kevin, Amy, Pastor Amy, will you come up and just begin to continue to minister to those people? I want to give them time to pray, but I want to turn it over for you to continue to minister to those, BJ and Ashley there in Carlinville. Here at Northside, just continue to stay in this mode. We want God to minister. We want God to do. We want chains to be broken that need to be broken. Sometimes unpartnering takes a bit because we didn't partner overnight. We didn't koinonia with unbelief overnight. So right now it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to break that chain and put new seed in our heart. This is what you believe from this day forward. From this day forward, now I want you to ask. Everybody that came, two things I want you to ask. Number one, Lord revealing what things I need to uncoinonia with. I believe he's already shown you that. But number two, say, Lord, now show me the seed of your word that you want me to believe in its place. Put a new root in we're uprooting fear. We're uprooting insecurity. We're uprooting the lies of the devil. We're uprooting depression. We're uprooting his suggestions. Now, Jesus, show me what you want me to root in its place. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.